couple of weeks about where, God, are we going in 2021? You know, my, my thinking's already, not because I want 2020 to get over, but because there's a new year coming. Are you listening, right? We got life to live yet. And uh, so I've really been, uh, really been seeking the Lord and just asking him for direction. And so God gave me a real specific word for 2021. And I'm going to share some of that here with you today. But uh, I, don't, uh, I won't get through it all, so next week we'll continue on. But uh, I would want to know what the Lord is saying. You know, last year, um, right before uh, we got, I went over to Dr. Barclays to do his prophetic insights for uh, 2020, uh, he and I recorded four television shows that uh, we put on, he put on the air. And uh, the Lord started speaking to me about that it was going to be a time of recalibration and uh, reset and going back to zero. And it was a really, some of you will remember that. And that was in the midst of the Lord really showing me that, that 2020 was going to be a time of supernatural increase, but that he was going to cause his people to have to reset. And I didn't really know what all that meant. You know, you don't always know what God's, how God's going to do stuff. I mean, you, you have an idea how he's going to do things, but you don't know how he's going to do things. And we don't get to tell him how to do it. You don't get to tell God what to do, okay? Uh, he says what he's going to do, and then you come in agreement with it, and then he does it how he wants to do it, but he makes sure it gets done. And uh, so anyways, I, I, was really, I was really surprised at how 2020 started, you know, how we went into it. I mean, it, uh, we went off, things were moving along, and then March came, and then things all went to a screeching halt, and, and uh, national, international, national and international fear began to grip the hearts of people all over the land, and uh, some people still haven't come out of the fear and are still dealing with it and, uh, you know, living their life that way, um, you know, fearful of people, fearful of COVID-19, fearful of bankruptcy, fearful of losing their business, fearful, just fear, fearful of what's going to happen in our nation, all this stuff that's just, uh, all of this kind of stuff that's happened. And so, but in the middle of all of it, you know, I, I knew I had security knowing that, one, God had really told us what we were going to need to do this year. You know, God always, I mean, God doesn't always tell us what we want to hear, but he lets us know that he's still involved, okay? And so as things began to unfold this year, I really knew, and I saw it. I saw people, I mean, I really did. I saw people in our church that their business did the best it's ever done. And they weren't in the retail, the food or retail business. I'm talking about their business, just the regular, you know, construction business there, it was exponential, the work that they had, the things that they were able, and those who were involved with crafts, it was amazing, the, the business. They're overloaded with business and work to do right now. And so they're just incredible because I believe that because people believe for supernatural increase. Amen. Amen. Uh, our church and our ministry, I mean, it's been amazing this year uh, that even with the time that we were shut down, I'm sure it's true with Heart of Saginaw too, that uh, it's like, you know, whatever the devil meant for harm, God has just proven time and time again that that isn't going to work. It's not going to work. 
Because he can be great in famine and he can be great in feast. Amen. And so we saw all kinds. You say, well, pastor, I'm still, I'm, we're still struggling. We're still despairing. Look, hang on to the truth. Hang on to the truth. Don't let the cares of this life consume your thinking so that you're worried that, that you get into that realm of worry and fear. One of the things the Lord said to me this morning, and uh, boy, I, I hope I get to all my notes here, but, uh, <laughs> but one of the things he said to me, that he, said, he said, the problem that you deal with, that God, he said, my people are dealing with right now, is between what they believe and what they know. All right, what they believe and what they know. See, all of us believe that God is good, but do we know God is good? You know, if I came to you and I said, I said, uh, you're not, you're not my, you're not my Comfries, what would you say? I'd say, no, you're not. No, no. I know my Comfries, you're not him. What would you say? Is there anything I could say that would make you think that you're not him? No. And you could even probably pull out proof and say, no, look, right here is my proof, my evidence that this is me. So that isn't something you believe. That is something that you know. Now, when you know God like that, see, the devil does not attack. The enemy does not attack what you know. He attacks what you believe. Because your belief is what is giving substance to what you're hoping for. So when you know it, you know it. I mean, you sat down in this chair because you knew the chair would just hold you up, right? I mean, you wouldn't have sat in it. You didn't go, well, I believe if I sit down here, this chair will. No, you knew it. So when you know something about God, when you know something, the enemy knows there's no reason to even attack that anymore because you're not going to move from it. Listen to this uh, in the Old Testament. This is in the book of Hosea. Um, it says this, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. They are not destroyed for a lack of belief. It's what you know. It's what you know that you know, that nobody's going to change that. You know, you could come up to me and say to me, Sharon doesn't love you. I'd say, you're a liar. No, she doesn't love you. She talked, she talked mean to you. I heard her talking mean. She doesn't love you. I'd say, you're a liar. Just because she might talk mean to me every day uh, <laughs> doesn't, mean that, doesn't mean that she, that she doesn't love me. I know that. I know that. I don't believe. Now, there was a time in my life where I had to believe because I didn't know her that well. Now, just stay on this line with me, and then we'll get to these, some of this stuff. All right. So what you know, what you know keeps you from getting destroyed. But what you believe isn't necessarily going to keep you out of trouble. Because what you believe is going to be subject to doubt. It's going to be subject to attack. Where does the enemy fire his fiery darts at, according to Ephesians chapter 6? At your shield of faith. Not at your shield of knowledge. At your shield of faith, because he knows 
He knows that if he can get you to waver in your faith, you're not, you, you'll never get to knowing, having the revelation and understanding that you're cap- this is who you are, what you have, and what you can do. Is that too deep? Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. They that know their God shall be strong and do mighty exploits. Who does the mighty exploits? Those who know, not those who believe in God. Now, faith plays a role in all of that. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not, but I'm telling you right now, if you read the word and you study, especially maybe we'll get a chance to look at this next week in Mark 4. But when you look at how the enemy comes, he comes to take the word because that's where your faith begins. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So he's after your faith because he never wants you to get to knowing who you are, knowing what you have, and knowing what you can do. Because at that point, when you are at a place of knowledge and understanding of it, there isn't anything he can do. That's why Jesus was different than us. But yet he showed us the example, and I'll tell you this, and just I'll show you this in just a minute. But he showed us the example that this is what we're supposed to be like. You know, when the enemy came and said, if you are the son of God, Jesus didn't go, well, gosh, I never really thought of it that way. What did he say? He said, get behind me. That's a lie. That's not true. I don't receive that. He responded with what the word of God says, because that's what he knew, not what he just was believing. No, I believe I'm the son of God. And so, you know, you shouldn't be able to say that to me. Well, he said, no, I know who I am. I don't need you to tell me who I am. Can I just tell you a little secret? You don't need anybody in this life to tell you who you are. You don't need a friend to tell you. You don't need a woman to tell you. You don't need a man to tell you. You don't even need a parent to tell you. What you need to know is, is that what God says you are is who you are. And you're going to have to do the work to get out of believing what God says about you and do the work to get into knowing what God says about you. And then at that point, you become extremely dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. John 17, 3, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, look, I've come to give life, and this is eternal life, he says, that you may know the Father and his only Son, Jesus Christ. He didn't say that you could believe in the Father and his Son, that you could know. What did the Apostle Paul say in Ephesians chapter 3? And I know I'm giving you a lot of verses here, but Ephesians 3, he said, that I might know him, not believe in him, that I might know him. See, once you come to Christ, the believing now moves into knowledge, to knowing someone, to becoming intimately acquainted and understood with who that is. That's how you become strong and do exploits. So if you're being attacked right now, and, if, and, and look, we all are in different areas in our life, but if you're being attacked right now, then what's happening is, is that you are struggling in the realm of belief, not in the realm of knowing. What you want to strive for is not just to believe better, 
You want to strive to get to a place where you know God better. Hallelujah. That was all free. Don't take that off my preaching time, please. Okay. Isaiah 43. And this will all tie right in together with what we're going to get into today. Um, There are five declarations in the passage I'm going to read to you that I believe that God is saying for us this coming year and begin to prepare ourselves now. Now remember, we're, we practice a Gregorian calendar which starts in January. The Jews practiced a, their calendar has already started in September uh, with their new year. So we're already in the Jewish calendar new year. Of course, January 1st, we'll celebrate the, the pagan new year actually. So, um, and then of course you have the Christian year which just begins today with Advent. So uh, that's how the Christians start their calendar uh, year is by the, by the season of Advent. So this is day one of Advent. In this, we find that the Israelites have gotten themselves into trouble. They are in Babylon and they are in captivity. And God comes to them through Isaiah and begins to prophesy to them. And he says in verse 14 in chapter 43, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I will send to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives. The Chaldeans who rejoice in their ships will all come down. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. So number one declaration here that God wants us to hear, and that I believe he's saying for 2021 for all of us is, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Now, I, I, as you look at where Israel is right now, there is no way for them to get out. The armies are too big. They're in captivity. They've been, they've been whooped. I mean, they have been whooped, whooped bad. And there's no way out of this. But yet God shows up and says, I am, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. So the first declaration that I believe God gives us in this passage is, I've got this. Don't ever forget, don't ever allow anything to make you forget that in the midst of whatever's going on, God is greater. Look, can God heal COVID-19? Absolutely he can. Absolutely he can. Can God turn a bankrupt situation around to a miraculous, prospering environment? You better believe he can. I've got testimonies all of healing, of cancers healed and, and things that have happened. I was thinking, you know, you talk about believing in knowledge. I remember you, this young girl that came to our church. She had breast cancer. I mean, she had advanced breast cancer. And uh, on a Wednesday night, she came to our service and she said, Pastor Jolliffe, I don't know you. I've heard about your ministry here. I know you guys believe in healing, that God heals the sick. She says, but I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to ask you to pray for me. But whether you do or you don't, I already know that God is my healer and I'm going to be healed. She said, so put your hands on me if you want to or don't put them on me. But either way, I know I'm walking out of here and I know God is. And do you know what? She got completely, absolutely healed of breast cancer, terminal breast cancer. I mean, they told her that there was no way she was going to get out of it. The difference between, I believe if you lay hands on me, and I know if you lay hands on me, and I know. 
See, we have to really work on our hearts. Do we really believe that God's got this in the midst of all of this? That he's got, that look, I'm not saying God is in control of it, but yet God is still in control. Let me put it like this. I don't think that God has been watching Fox News. Because I don't think he knows how bad it is. I don't think he's been watching CNN because I don't think he knows how bad. I don't think he looks at the daily virus report. I don't think he looks at it. I don't think God's going, dear God, dear me, Gabriel. Did you see today's totals? See, because he, he doesn't, he isn't moved by any of that. Because no matter how, because look, no matter what's going on, he says, I'm greater than all of that. I think part, and I'm not saying this about you or or anybody that's watching, but but look, I think part of the problem is, is that somehow we've started thinking that all of this is greater than God. And it's not. How many times does God have to prove to us that he's greater than Sickness and disease. How many times does he have to prove to us that he's greater than poverty? Well, this is what he's doing with the Israelites. He's saying, look, guys, I know it's bad. I know you've gone through tough stuff. I know it's been a difficult time in your life, but I just want you to know I'm right here and I've got this. I've got, I've got a plan. I've got a way. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. Look, whenever I'm in trouble, I want the smartest person in the room to be by me. Amen? And you're not the smartest person in the room. Okay? The smartest person in the room is the one who's been around the longest and knows the most and has experienced the most victory. That would be God. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. I've got this. Number 2, verse 8, 16. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through mighty water. So number two, his declaration is, look, I've done this before. I've gotten people out of bad spots before. So he's saying, look, I'm the one. I know how. I know how to do this. I I know what needs to happen. I have made a way in the sea and a path through mighty waters. So I've done this before. This is not new to me. I've got an experience. I, I, you know, on my resume, I have experience here of knowing how to deal with these kinds of things. And then verse 17. I am the one who brings forth the chariot and the horse and the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinguished. They are quenched like a wick. Then he goes on and says, don't remember the former things nor consider the things of old. Why? Because here's his next declaration. Not only have I got this, not only have I done it before, but I'm going to do it again. I'm right here. I'm ready to do something again. Now, listen, this is really, this is a really incredible because, you know, when we, when we talk about, when we talk about what was happening with, you know, we have a 10, I mean, it's great what was happened in the Ten Commandments, how, you know, Charlton Heston stands there and parts the waters and the sea. But there's so much to this story that's not even in that movie. I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal what God did. Now, we know he brought them out, ten, the, the Egyptians said, get out, go, we want you out of here. 
So they begin to travel as God told them. They're following this pillar of fire and cloud and, and they're heading down and they get right to this pass, okay? Now right here is the Red Sea, all right? Right up here is the Red Sea. So we say the stage is the Red Sea. And right here is, the, is a fortress of the Egyptians called Migdol, M-I-G-D-O-L. And so God tells them, look, you're going to go down and then you're going to hang a left because you'll see the sea over there. You're going to hang a left at Migdal and you're going to head down the coast and you're going to travel to the wilderness. So here they go. And he says, where I want you to go is this place called Etham. Now, Etham is down here. Here's the Red Sea. Etham is down here where Mike is setting. OK, you are Mike, right? Absolutely. OK, I just want to make sure you still remember who you were. So this is Etham. So he, bring, he says, come down here to Etham and camp. Now, the thing that happens here at Etham is, is that they all become aware there's no place to go. I mean, there really is nowhere. Because back here where Gerald's sitting, this is all wilderness and mountain ranges. So they can't get, they've got a million to two million people. So there's no way they're going to get over those mountains. So what it says in, in if you go to um, Exodus 14, you can read about this. What it says is they realize they're boxed in. Anybody felt boxed in? They realize they're boxed in. So they're sitting there at Etham and they're looking at this mountain range and they're looking at this sea in front of them. And and they're just thinking, oh, boy. So God says, okay, head back towards Migdal. So they start going back towards Migdal. And when they get over by Migdal, he says, now I want you to camp. I can't, I don't remember how to say the name that's there. But I want you to camp, not at Migdal, but I want you to camp down here by the sea, okay? Right here. I want you to camp here by the sea. And, and, and I want you just to stay there. Because my plan is, is that the guys at Migdal will report back to the guys at Egypt that you're boxed in. So Migdal communicates back to Egypt and says, hey, they have nowhere to go because we're here. The mountain range is there. The sea is in front of them. There is no place to go. Now, I think there's two things happening here. One is, is that I think that God's wanting to set the Egyptians up because he said that you'll never have to deal with these guys again after I take care of them. And two, because he wants the Israelites to realize that ain't no place to go, baby. You're stuck. You're stuck. Now remember, Moses has led them down to Mike. Moses has now led them back to out here by the sea in front of Mona. And they're sitting there, and Moses has no idea where they're going to next. They don't have a plan. Their plan is to just do what God says to do. So there they are, sitting there by the sea, and they're looking out over this waters. Now, it's interesting, and, and, and you, you have to do a little bit of math with this, but when he tells them to camp, he says, I want you to camp in front of this mountain that's out in the water. It's an island that's called Baal Zephyrin. And it's this big island. There's a, and out there they do Baal worship, okay? And so it's setting out there. There's this great big island that's setting out there in the middle of the water. And he says, so I want you to camp. You read all this in Exodus 14. 
So now they're looking at a, mount, a mountain, I think it's called Timnah is the name of it now today, that's out in front of them. They're looking at Migdal that is behind them. They're looking at a mountain range that is over this direction and there's nowhere to go over here because there's only water there. So now they're stuck. I mean, they're really stuck. And here's the thing. They're stuck in a position where they don't, they can't see where they're going to, how are we going to get out of this? All right, how are we going to get out? So God has a plan because he's got this. Because he's got this. And God is saying, I've got this. I've been here before. And I'm going to do it again. All right? So you just trust me. Now, a six-foot-tall man standing on sea level, standing at sea level, can only see three miles. All right? Can only see, the, you know, the earth is curved. You do know that, right? So if you're six foot tall, you can see three miles. Okay? So when they stand, now this is where things get a little bit cloudy as far as historically because we don't know if they got up on, because, you know, if they were at a little higher elevation, they might have been able to see a lot further. They could have seen, they could have got up on a mountain there and saw, you know, could have saw 14 miles, you know, but it was a long way over there. And how far the Red Sea was across, we don't know exactly because things have changed a lot through the years. But by estimation, okay, one, one estimation I, I read was is that it was 18 miles where they crossed. Another I read said it was nine miles. But regardless of whether it was nine miles or 18 miles, let me just tell you this. When they looked out over the water, do you know what they saw? a mountain and water. They did not see a distant shore. They did not see possibilities. They couldn't even think about building a boat. They're boxed in. They can't go towards Mike. They can't go back towards Mona. The only place they can go is to throw themselves into the hands of the one who said, I've got this. I've got this. Now watch this. He said, don't remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing, and now it shall spring forth, and shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So in God's declaration, he says, look, I've done it before. I'm going to do it again. And then he begins to make a declaration to them, and I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to do a new thing. It seems to me with God that the breakthrough happens when things get at their darkest moment. Now we whine and complain our best at the darkest moments. We're really good at that, aren't we? I mean, when it gets really, really bad. But you know what? I think that God lets, not that he causes the darkness, but that he lets it get that dark around us so we realize there's no place else to go but to him. Because, you know, I mean, look, you and I know, what if we were running the Israelites? We'd have been like, well, no, let's go back over towards Mike. No, wait, can't get there. Well, let's go back over there. Let's negotiate. Let's compromise. Let's go back to Egypt. Well, there were people that were saying that, weren't there? 
We try to come up with our own plan in a better way to try to make things happen. But God's already got a plan. And it's a new thing. And God says, look, don't remember the old ways. Don't remember where you've... Don't, don't, don't start thinking about things that have happened to, that, because they will stop you from getting to what's about to happen. I want to make a statement to you. Sentiment erodes significance. And what I mean by that is, is that when we are sentimental about where we have been, when we're our thoughts and our sentiment, our emotions are tied to where we have been, it will erode our significance in life. Because listen, your significance is not where you have been. Your significance is in where you are going. Thought I'd get a better amen on that. Your significance isn't about the things that God did for you before. That's what he's trying to say. Look, don't just reflect back about, well, yeah, you know God, and he's done all, hey, that's... He's saying, look, you have got to stop thinking, remembering the old. And start getting ready for the new. And what does he promise in the new? Here's the thing. Here's here's God's word to you and I. New roads and new rivers. New roads and new rivers. Now look, when I say that, you know what can, ha- what can happen to a Christian believer? They begin to go, yeah, well, I've heard that before. See, you're still remembering the old. You're letting your sentiment to tragedy. And look, our, all our lives are filled with tragedy. Everybody's life here is filled with tragedy. How about disappointment? Oh, got bags of it, right? Disappointment. Oh, oh, hurt? <laughs> Frustration, anger, all those things where I felt like, where in the world were you, God? Why did you, like I heard Jerry Savelle say this morning, I thought it was so great. God, I don't deserve this in my life. I've been good to you. (laughs) Now, don't act like you've never thought it at least, right? Why is this happening to me? See, because what we do is we remember. And God's saying, look, here's my thing, guys. I want you to get this. My declaration to you, a new thing is coming. That new thing, what is it going to look like? New roads, new roads, and new rivers. Now, here's here's the idea, and and then we're going to have to wrap up this morning. New roads... Roads are significant because they take us to purpose. Roads are significant because they are, they are things that we use to get from where we are to where we want to be, right? When you go home today, will you travel on a road or will you travel in the field? Would both get you there? Mm, yeah, kind of. Right? But the road is a cleared way. Now listen to me. The road is a cleared pathway to the purpose that you have. So if you want to get to Alma, the best way to get to Alma is to hit the road and drive 46 and you'll get to Alma. Way better than if you hit the field 
and have to avoid cows and chickens and people and playgrounds and schools and all the other stuff. The road is already a cleared pathway to get you to purpose. This is what God's saying to you and I. Some new purposes are about to unfold for your life this year. But not if you're sitting around just having sentimental thoughts about where you've been and what you've been through. The new roads are things that God will reveal to you and show you about who he is and what he's willing to do. And then it says there are new, not only are there new roads, but there are new rivers. And when you study about rivers in the scriptures, when God talks about rivers, now I'm not just talking about man talking about rivers, rivers are vehicles that God brings things to people. You know, there is a, there is a river that flows from beneath the throne. And the Bible talks about it in Ezekiel 47. You can write that down if you want. Ezekiel 47, it talks about the river that flows from the throne. And that river, as it flows out, it's called a river of life. Because that river, everywhere it goes and everything it touches, it brings to life. It causes trees to flourish and fruit to grow. And it causes all kinds of things that were not doing well, all of a sudden to be doing well. There are new rivers that are going to begin to flow. Jesus talked about rivers. He said that out of your belly will flow a river of living water, not, not of stagnant dry water, not of stagnant, you know, tepid water, of living water, of water that is creating, is bringing about resources, bringing about life wherever it goes. New roads and new rivers. One is things going out, one is things coming back. And I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I plan on, listen, I plan on this year finishing up. This will be one of my best years of my whole entire life. And I'm planning on next year even being better. You say, well, what if you die next year? Well, then it really got better. Are you all here? No, man, listen, the new rivers and the new roads, part of what's happening right now with folks is, is that they've lost their way because they feel like there's no way out of this. There's no, you know, there's no pathway out. It's led us over to Mike, and, and then it's led us back over to Mona, and now we're stuck in front of a sea. Do you know that God, to get to all the Israelites, I want you to think of just how miraculous this is, for God to be able to get all of the Israelites nine miles over to the other side, that water would have had departed five miles wide. Five miles wide. And listen, even though it parted five miles wide and there was a wall of water, the Israelites still couldn't see where that pathway led to. I just think that's how God is. He leads us up to a certain point and said, well, I'm taking you further. And you say, well, can I see where we're going? No. Well, why can't I see it? That's exactly right. It sounds like that was spoken from experience. I know it would be from my life. 
No, because he's saying you're going to need to trust me. You're going to need to know me. You're going to need to be looking to me. So he says, look, I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to bring new roads. I'm going to bring new rivers to your life. And then in verse 5, excuse me, the fifth declaration that he makes here is that he said, look, shall you not know it? Shall you not know it? So tying that in, if you read this out of the Amplified Version, this phrase, shall you not know it? It has three aspects to it. One, shall you not perceive it? That means that you haven't seen it yet, but you, you believe it. Then the next aspect is, shall you not know it? You'll experience it. And then the third thing is, he says in the Amplified Version, it says, you'll perceive it, you'll know it. And now here's the last one. You'll give heed to it. You'll give heed to it. See, because even though the greatness of what God wants to do, you have to still give into it. You have to give into it. I have heard, I'm not a prophet, so don't walk out here going, well, he's a prophet. No, no, no. I'm prophetic at times, but I am not a prophet. But I'll tell you what, when God speaks to me, I know God's speaking to me. And God told me that you got to get out of believing and get into knowing. you got to move to the next level in your faith. you got to move your faith into the knowledge where it becomes so real to you and your understanding you know, if you came up to, I'll show you an example of how this works. Um, Carla, are you saved? Yes, I am. Now, how do you know that? By the blood of Jesus and my feeling of lo- loving my Lord. No, you're not saved. Yes, I am. Uh, no. Oh, yes, I am. Well, you're, how do you know? I mean, it doesn't, I don't believe you. I believe in, in God's word that says that I'm saved. That you're saved. Yes. Okay, so... You went at some point. Now, when you first became a Christian and somebody, you gave your heart to Christ, did you struggle with knowing that you were going to heaven? Yes. You did. Every believer does, don't they? Yes. We all struggle because we, we hear about the gospel and we receive Christ and we repent of our sins. And then we struggle with, is it real? Is it true? Did he really forgive me? Anybody agree with that? I did. I mean, look, I, I'd love to tell you the day I got saved, but I think it was a whole bunch of days. Right. I mean, I walked, I went up to the, I, I went up to the altar once and then the next week I was back up and then maybe I missed a week and then I was up for missing a week. And then, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it was that way. And then, then one day, one day as I was faithful to the word and I read about what the word said, I realized without a shadow of a doubt, I'm saved. That no matter what happens in life, no matter what happens to me, when I die here, I'm not wandering through a tunnel to get to God. I will be with God. I will be with him forever. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I mean, my life, when it stops here, it starts there. I'm, I'm there. Amen. Glory to God. I don't, I don't even have to think twice about it. I don't have to... You could come up to me and tell me, oh, the Bible is a bunch of lies and you could put shows on at Easter that the resurrection never really happened. And, but I know in my knower, I'm saved. Amen. Yeah, but you, didn't you do that? Yeah, I did that. But look, the blood of Jesus, Carla said it, the blood of Christ has cleansed me from all sin. 
Every believer struggles with that because you're trying to get out of just believing it to knowing it. Now take that to your health. Take that, oh, here we go. Take that to your family. Let's get you out of the believing into the knowing. Into the knowing. Because see, the enemy will just keep. You know, the devil never bothers me about being saved anymore. You know why? Because it won't work. Because I know it. Right? And I'm getting to the place where it don't work against my family either. Even when they do crazy, bizarre, stupid stuff. It doesn't make a difference. Because one, God says, I've got this. I've got this. Uh, I've been here before. Um, I'm about ready to do it again. If I did it before, you could know. They had a song that went like that. You know, if he did it before, he can do it. He'll do it again. And so I know he's about to do it again. And he says, here it comes. Stop remembering where, what's happened. Stop focusing on your past, your sentiment towards those discouraging, dis, dis, those disappointments in your life. And put your focus on the new thing I'm about to do in your life. I'm about to open up some new pathways, some new roads for your life. Some of you for your business this coming year, there's some new roads that are going to open up. They're going to open up for you. Some things that haven't been there before. And they'll be suddenly. So this is what's really cool is they'll be sudden. If you're open, I mean, you know, if you're sitting here today and going, Al, this is a nice, that's all right, I guess. I, but if you're open, new things will open up. Creative things will open up. New pathways will open up. New ventures will open up. New investments will open up for folks. And new resources are on their way. You will have, listen to me, you will always, always, 100% of the time, always have everything you need to do everything God tells you to do. 100% of the time. 100% of the time. Because where God guides, God provides. New rivers, new roads. Shall you not know it? Shall you not perceive it? In your spirit? Some of you right now are listening going, that's it, man. That is it. That is it. That is exactly, that is it. Shall you not know it? Shall you not receive it? Shall you not receive it? I want everyone to stand with me if you would. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now here's what I'd like to do this morning um, uh, in line with that, that word is that um, I believe in impartation. I really do. Um, in fact, ushers, if you do me a big favor and just move all this stuff out of the way. If you would do that for me, just take the table, take this out. If you guys take all that out of the way. And, uh, you know, the Bible talks about laying on of hands. And there's a reason that it, that it talks about laying on of hands, because um, you can blow that out, Tom. You don't have to. There you go. Advent's still going on. 
And, uh, but there's a reason that God talks about laying on of hands. Part of it, part of it is, that's why you want to be careful who you have hands lay, who lays hands on you, okay? Because part of it is what that person has is being imparted into you, is being imparted on your life. I'm not talking about a spiritual, but it's their, their spiritual implication is being imparted, anointing, if you will, if you will the anointing that they have is being imparted. You know, when I'm in a, a meeting and my pastor gives the call and says, hey, I'll lay hands on, I want to lay hands on you guys today that are standing for, you know, this situation in your life and I want you to come. I, I'm not thinking that he's, I'm going up there so he can give me a fix to the problem. I'm understanding that he is imparting something to help me deal with where I am, okay? Yes. To help me through the laying on of hands. That's what the Bible talks about. I still got to do the warfare. He doesn't do the warfare for me. Amen. Okay. So what I want to do this morning is, is that for anyone that wants this, um, I'm willing, I would like to uh, lay hands and impart. Now, here's what, here's not what we're doing. Okay. So just so we're clear on this, we're not coming up here to get slain in the spirit. Okay. Because that's not what we're doing. If God knocks you down, it won't matter whether there's a catcher or not, okay? Because God puts you on the floor. He'll take care of you to the floor. So I don't want you to be coming up here going, well, I don't know. I don't want to fall. Keep that all out of your head, okay? So we're going to lay hands on folks this morning that want hands laid on them. And if you're ready, if you're saying, look, Pastor, I am ready. I believe that this is a word from God for me. Um, and I am ready to step on the, I'm ready for God to open up the new roads and the new uh, rivers, and uh, I'd like you to lay hands on us in agreement with that this morning. I'm willing to do that if you'll come. Just line up straight across if you, if you want. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God.